You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schliff. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today I want to quickly run through some of the notes that I took. And if you want to see the full notes, um, and by the way, yes, my notes are other people's tweets. But what else would you like me to use? I wasn't there. Wasn't televised. Get out of here. But I did publish my notes on packernet.com. So if you want to see the full uh, news and notes on that, go check that out. But I want to run through um, the second of these pretty terrible training camps. Maybe add in a few clarifications, and if there's time, get to a couple questions and comments about uh, these training camp situations. And of course, maybe elaborate a little bit on the Spriggs situation, which is to say, I've already said my piece about Spriggs, but um, we picked up another running back. Let's just do it now. It's not going to take long. What is wrong with Brian Gutekunst? I'm not talking about cutting Jason Spriggs. I mean, it's it wasn't necessarily expected, but he was a long shot, at least to be playing next year. I'm talking about these running backs, man. He did... If I could think of a quick way... You know what? Give me a second. So if we go back last year, exactly one year to the day that we signed Keith Ford, right? August 6th, 2019, the Packers signed Keith Ford, right? August 6th, 2018... We signed Akeem Judd, running back. On the 18th, we signed LaShawn Daniels. On the 19th, we signed Bronson Hill. This year so far, we've signed uh, Corey Grant, Darren Hall, and now Keith Ford. Six running backs of that group. Let's just run through real quick and see height and weight, just for fun. Akeem Judd, 5'10", 225. All right. LaShawn Daniels. 5'11", 222. Huh, all right. Bronson Hill, 5'11", 221. Almost identical. How about a little later in the season in 2018 when we picked up Darius Jackson? Six foot tall, 220 pounds. October 9th, the Packers signed Trey Carson to the practice squad. Trey Carson, 5'11", 228. Fast forward to this year, Corey Grant, massive outlier, 5'11", 203. So 5'11 still, but uh, pretty undersized for a, you know, Gutekunst guy. Darren Hall, 6'217". So still a little bit underweight. Didn't quite hit the 220 mark, but still 6'217". And now Keith Ford, 5'10", 219. Now I understand this is a pretty standard size. But with the exception of Corey Grant, it's been a bunch of clones. I mean, even Dexter Williams, who they drafted, is not quite fitting that mold of who they pick up off of, you know, waivers. Dexter's 5'11", 212. Aaron Jones is 5'9", 208 pounds. So although 5'11", 220-ish is pretty standard, and by the way, as far as I can find out, the average running back size is about 5'11", 217. So 5'11", Gutekunst is dead set. you got to be exactly that maybe 5'10", maybe 6 foot, but no variance outside of that. And if anything, most of these guys are over 
two seven well well over 217 220 is usually the floor a couple 225s and even a 228 in the mix but the massive number of running backs we've been picking up and and the the exact size to which they're coming in started off as like a goofy little joke last year at this point i'm legitimately worried about brian gutekunst the the best thing i can think of is like you know grandma just can't get off those slot machines man and if we don't do something, retirement's going to be gone pretty soon. Brian Gutekunst needs an intervention because he just gave away <laughs> our second-round tackle so he could pick up another 5'10", 220 guy. He saw him sitting there, and he's like, I need him. And they were like, no, dude. We, I mean, we've got 90, and we've already got like seven of those guys. I think we're good. I think we're fine with running back. He's like, all right, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's cut a tackle. I, I didn't even draft Spriggs. I don't care. Yeah. Maybe, but I don't think we need another running back, and maybe we can hang on to Spriggs for a little bit and just, just see what happens. You know, just you never know. Balaga could get hurt. Wouldn't be the worst thing to have him on the team. Get rid of him. Did you hear me? Keith Ford is on waivers right now. 5'10, 219. When he gets to Green Bay, we'll just, you know, make him eat some donuts. He'll be 220 in no time. Maybe we can stretch him out a little bit. Have him hang for the monkey bars for like an hour. See if we can stretch him out to 5'11". Feed him donuts while he's hanging there. He'll be 5'11", 220 by the time the day is out. I want Spriggs gone right now. No, but in, in reality, it does kind of stink that, you know, we've got opportunities to maybe try to look at some other players at other positions. But similar to last year, there's been a lot of injuries. And I don't, I don't see, it still seems a little bit weird I'm sure that has something to do with it. I guess I just don't really under... I mean, we've got, what, three that are going right now? And two that are going to be ready by the regular season? I mean, probably before that, but I'm just saying. They'll they'll be on the team. It's not like they're at risk of, of not... I shouldn't say that for Jamal 100%, but presumably they're, they're going to be ready. So I'm, we're just going to take away reps from the three guys that we have to add another guy that's not going to make the roster. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me unless we really just don't like the depth we have at running back. Because the depth we have at running back is just Gutekunst grabbing 5'11", 222-pound guys. And it's just not super panning out because they're guys off of waivers who haven't done anything. And we're going to keep, keep taking swings. And that's fine, but, I mean, can we take a swing at a tackle or a guard or a center? How about a backup quarterback? That's been a nightmare. Can never have too many pass rushers, right? Go get a pass rusher. How about a linebacker? Still Blake Martinez and a bunch of question marks. Wouldn't mind another corner. How about safety? Super thin at safety. Why running back over and over and over and over and over and over and over? Why, why, why is it okay to be thin at some positions, but running back is like, nope, we got to be super stacked. It's almost as if it's less about the running back and more about the run game. You know what I mean? We just need a bunch of bodies to be able to simulate this action to get the offensive line the wide receivers, the quarterback, the tight ends, they're the ones that need practice with the run game. Couldn't really care less about who the back is. So just go grab a guy that can help, you know, fill in and, uh, you know, pantomime out some, some running thing. Don't really care if he gets any yards. I would just like when Rodgers hands the ball off for somebody to actually be there and we can kind of, you know, and, and, and the defense, they got to have somebody to hit. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of truth in that. Better to have our defense smoke some guy that we kind of don't expect to be playing for us than to be hitting Aaron Rodgers. 
Aaron Jones, whatever. Speaking of my inability to speak, um, I want to transition now because uh, I got some news. Yesterday I had asked the question if uh, brain damage can be caused from a lack of sleep. Turns out Eric from Toledo, guy who has uh, sent in a few questions, actually is a doctor, and he had some, uh, some terrible news. He says, lack of sleep can't cause brain damage, like huffing paint. However, multiple studies have demonstrated how cognitive function can be impaired by lack of sleep, though, and oddly enough, dream deprivation for long enough can induce a form of temporary insanity. So there's that. That may explain a good portion of this podcast. <laughs> Explains quite a bit, actually. So I'm just asking you guys to keep an eye on me. And if things get a little too off the rails, somebody needs to call me and be like, dude, take a nap. Because that was crazy. <laughs> but anyway, circling back, as you would expect, there's not a ton of information about Keith. I mean, there's plenty of information about Keith Ford. There's no reason to get super excited. We've been down this road before. Granted, Danny Vitale was picked up last year in the same fashion. That's worked out spectacularly. So you never really know what's what somebody, you know... I suppose if you take enough swings, you're you're bound to hit a home run at some point. But um, you know, Keith Ford played at Oklahoma, ran roughly 100 times for 500-ish yards, transfers to Texas A&M, runs about 250 times, 1,200-ish yards, 18 touchdowns, handful of receptions, goes undrafted to the Buffalo Bills. 2018 preseason, uh, he had an overall grade of 55, so below average. Um... Average receiver, terrible pass blocking, and below average running. And then he got a little bit of a crack at the starting roster on weeks 15 and 16, presumably due to injury. And the one thing that definitively stood out was his pass blocking. He only did six snaps through two games, but in both games he was given a phenomenal grade. But the uh, receiving and running and blocking all, well, run blocking all pretty subpar to terrible. The other interesting note, however, is that he was primarily used as a receiving back. Uh, that is by the Buffalo Bills, not in college he wasn't. But if you look at it from smallest to largest, six pass blocking reps, nine run blocking reps, 21 rushes, 35 receptions. Uh, pro day results, 10-6 broad jump, 39-inch vert, 4-5-4-40, 19 reps on the bench. So there you go. That took a lot longer than I expected. Before we take our break, though, let me just remind you once again about Draft.com and the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship. I have really been lacking on this whole fantasy football thing. I don't even have a league yet. Haven't been doing enough studying on it. Training camp has been taking up a lot of my my time. But I know we got a lot of diehard fantasy football fans out there, so do not forget to get involved in this. Once again, it is a best ball thing, which means you got no trades, no waiver wire, none of that stuff. You draft, generic snake draft. Grab the best guys you can. Draft.com will automatically enter in the best players for that week, and those are the points you get. And, of course, if you're going to head over there, remember, you can get a free entry into this $3.5 million contest and a chance to win a million bucks. When you make your first deposit, make sure you enter the promo code PACKERNET. So drop a little cash in there, enter PACKERNET in the promo code, and boom, you're in the tournament, man. Plus, you got money in there, and you can do stuff with that. But just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com. Come play free with promo code PackerNet. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so the news out of training camp wasn't fantastic. There were some highlights, so let's uh, kind of go through those. If you haven't checked the uh, the article that I pump out, essentially the top is generic Packers notes followed by injury information, which I don't even know if I got the full injury thing, whatever. I just added new injuries. And then on the uh, positionals. Uh, as for generic notes, Jordy Nelson was around, so that was kind of cool. However, once we get past the, hey, Jordy's here, everything's cool, everybody's having fun notes, it immediately gets started. Packers run game struggling to find any daylight. Uh, followed immediately by second false start already for the Packers offense. Tail Redding gets into a little shoving match. That was followed immediately by a massive fight. Now, they held Lonnie Johnson out, and I mentioned they might do that and probably should do that because it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, I forget who it was. I want to say it's Billy Turner, but I'm not sure. But somebody referenced the fact that he's going to be playing tomorrow. Like, in other words, this clearly has not been forgotten about. And it's already been noted publicly, which if you were going to publicly say this to the media, I'm sure there's been a lot of conversations outside of that amongst the players. But anyways, there was still quite a bit of hostility. And this time it sounds like it was Zadarius that uh, just kind of kind of stepped up. And I kind of didn't think Zadarius would be that kind of a guy. I, you know, he's obviously a monstrous human being. Aaron Rodgers already talked about kind of being scared of him. He reminds me a lot of Julius Peppers in a lot of ways where he's gigantic and scary looking, but he kind of seems like a pretty relaxed dude, although Julius could, could mix it up as well. But apparently, I don't know exactly what happened, but from all the notes that I could see, he didn't take too kindly to something and just hauled off and started punching an offensive lineman. So you're looking for leadership from guys like Zadarius, and as weird as it sounds, I think that's a pretty good version of that, right? The Packers are not being treated super well by the Texans. Somebody needs to step up and put them in their place, especially since they came to Green Bay, right? This isn't on their home turf. They came to our home turf and started pushing people around. So day started off. Zadarius got pushed one too many times and said, all right, haymaker time. So good on Zadarius. Um, Andy Herman is the ultimate, which it doesn't seem like his thing, but these last couple days he has been the ultimate. If you want to hear bad news, he's got it all for you. Uh, here's a list. Rogers sacked. Rogers throwaway. First team offense massively struggling. Texans offense taking it to Green Bay's defense. Texans defense taking it to Green Bay's offense. Not great. He followed that up with Manny Wilkins sacked, holding on the Packers offense. Looked like another touchdown for the Texans offense. Absolutely brutal set of team sessions for Green Bay. Offense walked back with their heads held a bit. They knew. Jim Ozarski says team red, red zone work wasn't a rousing success for the Packers offensive unit. A sack was allowed along for a tackle for a loss. Jimmy Graham dropped... Jimmy Graham had a drop, and there were some throwaways. Aaron Nagler follows that up with Packers offense is hard to watch today. Andy Herman again, Kaiser to Tanyan for a nice pickup, but guess what? Illegal procedure on the offense, followed by Kaiser, first probably sacked, but then throws up a ball, and it should have been picked. 
Next play, Kaiser sacked easily, but there was defensive holding. And then yay, Reggie Gilbert sack, Amos interception. Bill Huber says the offense could hardly look worse in what's supposed to be a two-minute drill, negative yardage in three possessions. Following training camp, Matt LaFleur says um, of the offense, it was nowhere near good enough. He says it's not so much the effort while the play is going on, it's what's going on between plays. Matt LaFleur goes on to say we've got a ways to go. It starts with how we operate and we have to coach these guys better. Aaron Rodgers, his quote of the day was, I'm glad it's over, talking about these joint practices with the Texans. So before I get into some of the highlights and lowlights for specific players, there's been some, well, there's a couple things. Number one, the I'm glad it's over thing. In a sense, I think we all are a little bit glad it's over because that was pretty brutal. It was more physical. We had more injuries. The team didn't look as good. There was also talk about Lafleur holding back the scheme a little bit, which I'll comment on that in a second. But I still think that this was a, a good thing. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers doesn't agree. He didn't like it. But this was sort of a trial-by-fire situation. I've already kind of talked about it, but I, I'm essentially just standing by what I said. I think this was a great and essentially a real big learning moment for the Packers. Let's do this now. Let's get this out of the way now. Let's get this stuff on film now so we can start working and having you know more progress. It doesn't do us a lot of good to not have the Texans here, keep just dominating everybody, thinking we're elite. Then we bench Aaron Rodgers, so when Kaiser doesn't have a good day, we can say, yeah, well, that's Kaiser, but wait till Rodgers gets out there. Boy, oh boy, we're going to torch people. And then we don't find out until week one, hey, we got some serious problems here. We need the contact. We need the aggression. We need the errors. We need to understand the sense of urgency now on August 7th and not a month from now when we go up against the Bears and realize, hey, we've only got about a week, a little over a week to get prepared for the Vikings, and we're not even a professional football team right now. So again, this is a good thing. You're getting a version of practice right now that um, a lot of other teams aren't getting. This was overall a massive benefit, and there were a couple injuries. Hopefully everybody's good. Trevor Davis was out, said he had a stinger. Jay Sternberger is out. Um, Jaw injury also being evaluated for a concussion. I'm assuming that's not going to come back with anything, and if it does, they're probably going to be in trouble because Jay Sternberger went in for a minute yesterday, or two days ago, came right back in, which shouldn't happen if the guy's got a concussion, so I don't really understand that. Either way, maybe it was a smart decision similar to keeping Lonnie Johnson out. Let's keep Jay Sternberger out and just try to keep things kind of low-key. Because if somebody so much as looks at Jay Sternberger wrong, that could cause a riot. As for the the reason we were bad is because we held back the scheme, there might be some to that. I'm just not buying it wholesale. In other words, if we were running that kind of scheme that we had, it would have been just dominant. I'm not going to take it there. Regardless of what kind of scheme we're running, and, and look, this is just practice. This isn't full-on scheme. We, there's, there's not even enough of a, of a game environment to create the scheme, considering the scheme is dependent on running a certain amount of plays a certain amount of times and then running different plays off of those plays. I mean, you can't even develop that stuff. So, yeah, you held back a little bit, and you probably would have had some bigger, better plays. But guess what? The wide receivers still have to, to get open. Uh, quarterbacks still have to not throw interceptions and terrible plays. We need to still not have penalties. We need to still block guys from getting a bunch of sacks, which they had. So, I mean, a lot of this, and it's not even the players necessarily that said it. Rodgers mentioned kind of that they held back the scheme a little bit. But I don't think any Packers players are using that as an excuse for why things were so bad. And I don't think they should. 
And I don't think we should either. Again, there's yeah, maybe things are marginally better. Maybe there's a few more completions. Maybe Aaron Rodgers kind of picks some people apart. And there's probably a little bit of frustration because, you know, Rodgers does look good and he knows that this thing is working and he's been carving people up. And then a different team shows up and they make Rodgers look stupid and he's kind of frustrated about that. Like, hey, man, I kind of want to look like a really good quarterback here. You make me look like I'm terrible at football by holding back this offense and I'm not happy about that. But whatever, the bottom line is there is an operational thing that we're trying to do here as a team. How to, you know, get the plays in on time and not have to re-huddle 17,000 times and not get a bunch of penalties and not let guys sack the quarterback and not throw terrible passes. And that's just the offense. I don't think the, the holding back of the scheme necessarily hurt the defense all that much. And they weren't doing all that great. So it's an interesting note probably has some impact on some of the negative stuff we saw but a lot of the negative wasn't necessarily just well we didn't complete enough passes the scheme didn't cause all the sacks the scheme didn't cause all the negative plays for a loss the scheme didn't cause all the penalties um but anyways as far as yesterday Aaron Rodgers actually looked relatively sharp obviously this is just a small fraction of the things he did on the day but it's what I got all three of the notes come from Herman um, so all day for Rodgers to throw, great pass protection, finds Adam for 15 yards on a crosser. Rodgers to EQ on a slant and 7-on-7, seven seven, great separation by EQ. And then Rodgers and Graham not on the same page, incomplete, Rodgers a bit off. I, the Jimmy Graham thing is really ugly. I, I just, I, I want to be optimistic, but this time last year, and I heard somebody say, well, you know, last year they weren't on sync either. That is a f- bold-faced lie. This time last year, we were talking about how Rodgers to Graham was this great connection, and they're already in sync, and things are going great, and just wait till the regular season. It wasn't perfect necessarily, but this is just ugly. Rodgers is connecting with absolutely everybody. He's been great with Adams. I mean, automatic. He's been great with EQ. He's been great with Equinemius. He's been great with Geronimo. He's been great with Trevor Davis. He's been great with Kumaro. He's been great with Shepard. The Rodgers to Graham thing just isn't working. I mean, there's been a couple of completions, but there's also been a bunch of drops. There's, you know, this kind of stuff just, you know, a bit off, which, okay, it's you blame it on Rodgers, whatever. But the timing and everything, it's just, I don't know, man, it does not feel good at all. And that's that's one of those things I would love to, you know, if, if, if it were behind closed doors, I would just really want to know, what what is the thought process here? Is it because you brought him here and paid him so much money, you want to try to force this thing to work? Do you really think he's going to be a, a dynamic tight end that's actually going to be worth the money we're paying is it a lack of depth that has you scared to cut him because there's just nobody else I mean I just want to know I'm just curious why are we paying him so much money right now is it just the dead cap money you don't want to suffer through combination what is it anyways Deshaun Kaiser it's just rapidly going out of spiraling out of control he had that one day where it was mostly pretty awesome Otherwise, just bad. Here's a couple notes for Deshaun. Kaiser, wildly inaccurate in 7-on-7. Kaiser to Kumaro, touchdown. Nice read and throw by 9. Way to go. Of course, I didn't put any notes in here, but I already read one that was in the the basic notes. I don't know why I didn't put it here, but uh, he had the sack slash, okay, continue on with the play, launch it up in the air, and throw a pick. The description of Kaiser pretty much every day except one has been ugly. Not as a person, but as a quarterback, pretty ugly. I think... as far as the 53-man roster, the quarterback is, is one of the things automatically I'm just thinking, this is tough. Because I'd like to just keep two quarterbacks, but man, oh man, I just don't. I I think if there was a better option at quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser's job would be at risk. 
the fact that that Tim Boyle and Manny Wilkins haven't really been much better than Deshaun Kaiser is really the only reason I think Deshaun Kaiser is basically a lock. All three of them are really just not starting quarterback material. Not a one of them. And if Rodgers goes down, we're kind of doomed. I mean, if it's just for a couple plays, maybe we can weather the storm. Assuming we can get by with no points, we'll be all right. But it's just an ugly situation. And I, you know, coming into the season, hey, maybe, you know, never know what happens with Deshaun. But it's just, this is bad. And the inconsistency is really a big thing. And I think the Packers have have kind of, and Brian Gutekunst have kind of gone toward the more I want consistency. Right, maybe get away from the Kyler Fackrell types and move toward the Zadarius types. You know, Adrian Amos, not super highlight real guy, but just steady Eddie. You know, Trubisky, that's not the kind of quarterback you want. The guy who just makes unbelievable throws and, and great, you know, got a rocket for an arm and can really just bury it in there 30 yards down the field. But then the next play, he can't complete a 10-yard pass. I mean, that's Deshaun Kaiser. He's got a rocket for an arm. He makes some beautiful throws sometimes, but sometimes it's just, what are you doing? You, you just can't have that as a quarterback. Um, no Tim Boyle notes, but Manny Wilkins, he had one really great pass to Jawill. Second time around, this was the last play of practice. I think Jawill Davis once again beats his guy, but Manny Wilkins this time can't get the ball to him. So again, just a couple good plays, not a whole lot. And, and the other thing is, remember that Tim Boyle and Manny Wilkins are going up against lesser competition than Deshaun Kaiser, which is probably part of the reason that number three quarterbacks are always hyped. Number three quarterbacks go up against a lot of number three defenses and sometimes have some success. And when the number three quarterback does better against the number three defense than the number two quarterback does against the number two defense, or sometimes some starting defense players, people kind of freak out and say, hey, our number three is better than our number two. Uh, Not necessarily, which also goes to show why Aaron Rodgers is so dominant. I mean, he's by far the best quarterback and he's going up against the best of the best it's well whatever there's no point in even saying that uh kumaro had his pinky wrapped up from the hand injury he had yesterday still manages to make a great one-handed catch he comes down out of bounds but it just wouldn't be a practice without kumaro showing up Um, i already mentioned the touchdown to kumaro from kaiser and then aaron Rodgers goes on after practice to uh, praise jay kumaro so i don't know if that was prompted or unprompted but either way obviously aaron Rodgers likes him not a whole lot from the running backs. Uh, they, they obviously struggled. The one positive note, Darren Hall and Corey Grant are using their speed to bounce to the outside successfully. Running game is better so far. Obviously, that was very early in training camp. However, once again, Danny Vitale, who was the Kumaro of uh, training camp so far. First snap story of team drills is a handoff to Danny Vitale. Second is a check down to him. The fullback is back. So once again, back-to-back plays to Danny Vitale. Guys, just all over the place. Uh, once again, Jimmy Graham, as I said, not great. A couple notes from him. Jimmy Graham, false start. Tough camp for him so far. Not a good way to, quote-unquote, shut up the haters. Uh, next note, great throw by, from Aaron Rodgers. Put it where only Graham could get it. Graham dropped it. And then there was the other note about another incompletion. This time Rodgers was off. Some of the trenches stuff. Alex Light has been the starting tackle. A lot of people speculating that maybe that has something to do with Jason Spriggs. Um, I, it's got to be a combination. I mean, at, at the bottom line, Alex Light isn't going to play good enough to the point where we say we don't need Jason Spriggs. The bottom line is if Jason Spriggs is anything other than a, a guy that the Packers just don't want, they're not going to cut him, and that includes him having an injury. I understand he was injured. So what? So is Aaron Jones. So is Jamal. So are a lot of guys who aren't gone. The bottom line is the injury was the last call. It was the last straw, and, and no... 
again, it, it, even if Alex Light turned out to be David Bakhtiari, that doesn't give you a reason to cut Jason Spriggs. If Spriggs is a good tackle, you don't get rid of a second-round guy that has talent. This 100% has to do with the fact that the Packers just have no use for Jason Spriggs and have gotten to the point they said this just isn't working, we're moving on. Now again, maybe Alex Light and some of these guys stepping up to the point where they feel like they can at least kind of try to maybe get through a season with these guys, maybe that helped make the decision. But I just generally don't think that's how GMs operate. I think it has more to do with when we've made the decision, he's not a part of this team, he's not a part of our future, we move on. But anyways, yeah, Alex Light has been starting out there with Brian Balaga down. Um, DeBeer note of the day, Wilkins sacked, DeBeer smoked off the line. So, sweet. Um, Good day for Billy Turner. He was dominating some people. Lane Taylor got beat. Lucas Patrick was getting beat. A lot of losing going on. One of the notes about Billy Turner from Zach Cruz, Billy Turner just drove a Texans defensive lineman five yards down the field. So, you know, a lot of high praise for Billy Turner. I was skeptical, still am a little bit, about, you know, his upside. But he's clearly having a pretty good training camp and um, has lived up to the hype thus far. Elton Jenkins also has been coming on. Um, Haven't heard a ton about him early on. He had some wins, some losses. But uh, the one note about him today, Elton Jenkins, absolute maulings and one-on-ones. He completely pancaked his man twice and only needed a couple seconds to do it both times. So that's crazy. Lucas Patrick been getting some reps at center. On the other side of the line, the only real note that I saw, uh, Montrevious seemed to have a pretty, at least a good play. I can't say he had a good day. Uh, Zadarius, on the other hand, very good day. A couple of his notes. Uh, Jair, great coverage, incomplete on the same play. Zadarius came screaming around the edge. Ryan Wood adding on to a Rashawn Gary tweet says Zadarius Smith also won both of his one versus one reps, beating Central Henderson and Zach Fulton. Smith is such a slippery rusher. Gets into the lineman's body, eliminating leverage, knocking blocker back on his heels. Pretty impressive. Another note, Zadarius looks like he would have had a sack. Zadarius Smith popped Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson on the final play of first two on two first team two-minute drill. Kind of an interesting note, too, because um, he goes on to say, very interesting, may not have been vicious, but would have never happened with Rodgers at quarterback in inter-squad practice. And that was from Dave Schroeder. But I did think that was an interesting note at the end because when I heard that he hit Deshaun Watson, it was like, well, whatever, it was an accident. But when I thought about it in the context of would he ever allow that to happen to his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, I think the answer is clearly no. I think Zadarius, um, look, man, he, he comes from Baltimore, and there, there's, a different, there's a different kind of DNA out there. I mean, he played alongside guys like Terrell Suggs, and, you know, it's, it's, again, it's just it's a different kind of locker room. And the Texans the day before were smacking around a lot of his teammates. And I don't know about some other teams, but in Baltimore, they kind of don't put up with that stuff. So to have this guy come out the very next day and start throwing haymakers at an offensive lineman and then ends the two-minute drill by smoking Deshaun Watson... Again, maybe not super intentional, but he probably didn't go out of his way to make sure that that didn't happen. I didn't see it, so I don't know. But I do think that was kind of an... It wasn't until he mentioned, would he ever do that to Rodgers, that it certainly clicked in my head, like, oh, wait, no, no. (laughs) I don't think... No. And then the final note, um, this time with his partner in crime, it says, Gary and Zadarius in the backfield again probably would have sacked the quarterback. I don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing that. If I could hear that every day of my life, it'll just be as, as satisfying as, um, you know, when I'm 90 as it is right now. I don't know how they're going to be playing uh, into their 80s or 90s, but uh, whatever. Uh, Preston Smith was having some back tightening issues, so he wasn't on the field very much, if at all. 
Hopefully that's not a super big issue, but it could be the kind of thing he's probably not playing tomorrow because they're being super cautious. And when you got back issues or knee issues or whatever kind of issues, hamstring issues, Packers have generally been saying, you know, well, let's just keep them out because there's no point in playing them. Let's make sure they're 100% healthy because this doesn't matter as much. Moving on to Rashawn Gary. Once again, just awesome. Packers rookie Rashawn Gary wins both of his one-versus-one reps, beating Matt Khalil with speed and Max Sharping with power. His bull rush against Sharping was, and then they do the dumb emoji thing, but it was cool. It's, it's at least like the big eye shocked emoji, not the fire emoji, because don't say fire. Jeez. I'm sorry. I'm, it's early, I'm tired, and I'm just kind of a crotchety old man about stuff sometimes. Um, I already read some of the other notes, but there is a video of him absolutely taking Khalil for a ride, just blowing him back. It was it was a great thing to see, but also if you go to that tweet, in other words, if you go to Packernet, you find this tweet, click on the actual uh, tweet and read the comments because this uh, Pat D. Stat, Patrick whatever on Twitter, is a Texans guy. So you get to see all the Texans comments and just how absolutely horrified they are about this off- upcoming offensive line. It's kind of funny. Um, Kyler Fackrell is in a lot with Preston out. Oren Burks had one good coverage rep, one bad coverage rep. Ty Summers had at least one good play. He's been kind of popping up with one really good play here and there, uh, a lot of it usually having to do with his athleticism. His one note was Summers shows off some serious sideline-to-sideline speed. Jair finally having some good, co- some great news. I mean, maybe again, maybe he's been great all through camp, but all the notes have been bad. Uh, as of yesterday, Jair, great coverage, incomplete. And then the second note, Jair, phenomenal coverage deep on Fuller pass breakup. First time he got his hand on a ball all training camp that I'm aware of. Um, Amos also has been really starting to come around. Not that he was ever really bad, but you just hadn't heard his name in the last few days. It's been every day. Yesterday he had a pass breakup in seven on seven and then picked off uh, Watson. So pretty solid, um, pretty solid showing. And then lastly, J.K. Scott started off real, real bad. His first four punts, 39 with 3-9-1 hang. So his, his yardage was 39-40, 39-35, hang time 3-9, 3-6, and then 4-1-6. He ended, though, with 54-50, 49-52-51. And then his hang time 4-4, uh, well, 4-4-4, 4-4-9, 4-4-6, 4-7-5, and 4-8-3. So his last kick being a 51-yarder with a 4-8-3 hang time. Almost all of his last five punts, with the exception of the 49-yarder, were 50-plus including, again, a 54-yard punt. So the first four were tough. The last five were incredible. The average, according to Ryan Wood, 45.4 yards, 4-2-3 hang time. That doesn't seem right. Is that really right? I guess he had three in the threes for his hang time. Jeez, really brought the, brought the average down. But anyways, so that essentially is that. Um, very quickly, let's take a break because I got a couple of questions and comments to get to, and I got to get out of here because I don't want to be late again. So first of all, thank you for all the Madden folks out there explaining uh, what the circle means. I kind of thought it wasn't hit stick because I remember playing where it's just up as hit stick. Apparently circle is a spin move. So, all right, he did a spin. What? Just say spin move. All right, I don't know. I don't want to have to try to translate what all this means. He just went straight trying on a man. Cool, and I'm a level six elven wizard from the tribe of Zornoff. I, you know, shush. Just say he did. A, he spun around a guy. I don't know. Did he get a sack? What happened? I don't speak Dothraki. Get out of here. Um, Taylor from Arkansas says, Man, what's happening with the Packers? They're trying to tell us something with all these running back moves. With this happening, do you think there's a chance they start looking for, a, for trade candidates to come to Green Bay? Again, I'm not reading too much into it. I, I just, I don't think 
that there's legitimate panic about the running backs. Because if there was, I, I just feel like you would do something a little more serious than just grabbing guys that are just sitting out there. Again, you know, we've got a lot of injuries. We need people to run a lot of different reps. Maybe you get different guys with different skill sets to kind of do the different kinds of things that we need to do. Kind of already touched on it, but I, I don't think it's necessarily something to panic about. I don't think it's anything to super get excited about because, again, I don't think they're really going to contribute all that much. Maybe one or two. Trey Carson's had some decent stuff. Corey Grant has got some great, you know, a great skill set to be kind of that other dynamic third down receiving back kind of guy just speed guy, if, if nothing else. But I, I think at the end of the day, and th- this is kind of what happens in training camp, right? We start getting super panicked about the nuance. And at the end of the day, all that's going to matter is Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark, right? It's the big name guys that are going to make a difference. It, it's, it's not going to come down to Trey Carson. So really, it's just about Aaron Rodgers getting healthy, getting back on the field. And I don't think that uh, we need to read too much beyond this as though they're looking to really replace Aaron, Aaron Jones. Did I say Aaron Rodgers again? But just, just expect Aaron Jones to be back and uh, just hope that he can get through the season healthy. But the bigger thing here is going to be the, the outside zone scheme that they're running. It sounds like it's just the communication isn't there. The running backs aren't getting it. The, the linemen aren't getting it. we got to get this whole system down. And it, 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 to take it a step further, if the system and the, the offensive line is doing a good job of blocking, you know, the, the drop-off from Aaron Jones to Dexter Williams you know, we're not going to get as many big plays. It's not going to be as great, but it's still going to be successful enough to have a successful offense because, again, all this is predicated on building off of the run and Aaron Jones distributing to the wide receivers and dominating people. And you can do that with other running backs. Not trying to downplay Aaron Jones, super excited about him, but I also kind of bring that up to address something that uh, Ryan said in the Facebook group. He says, with the injuries at running back, doesn't it make sense to go all in for Melvin Gordon if we can keep Aaron Jones, who has never played a full season? and have Melvin Gordon, it would give us more of an offensive threat. Um, we cut Mike Daniels, let's go get a weapon. I think the b- biggest problem is he wants too much money. I think he's just he's he's just not worth what he's asking for. I don't even know if he's worth, the, you know, the, the $10 million or whatever it is that, that the Chargers would be willing to pay him. Fact of the matter is running backs have a short shelf life because they take a lot of a lot of damage. So, I mean, and, and that's the other part of the equation, too, is Aaron Jones has hurt so much, let's get somebody else. Well, it's not going to be Melvin Gordon. Just looking at some of the injuries that he's had in, in uh, 2015, ankle sprain, grade one. He sat out two weeks. Uh, later that same year, he had a knee tear, got put on IR. In uh, A year later, a uh, PCL sprain, grade two, missed three games, the, the final three games of the season. On the, the same play or the same game or whatever, he had a hip sprain. Uh, two years later, uh, well, this past year, October of this past year, had a hamstring sprain slash pull. Grade one, missed week seven, came back week nine. And then November of last year, had an MCL sprain. He missed three games. So he's had six injuries um, in the last, well, since 2015, since, yeah, August of 2015. They're all lower body. I mean, this is kind of, it's not good stuff. It's all knees and, and hamstrings and ankles. Could he come in and probably be a, a real good weapon? Yeah, probably. But as far as value, no. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, if he slowly starts dropping the price, the Packers aren't at the, even at the top of the list. I mean, when you've got a team like the Texans that could absolutely use him and really liked him, they're apparently not even going to pursue him. They're not even considering it, is the rumor, because everyone was talking about, ooh, the Texans would be a great fit. Apparently the Texans came out and they're like, no, nah, we're not interested. It's just a tough position 
and and Melvin Gordon's putting himself in a tough position because running backs, first of all, are super replaceable. I mean, look at Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler's coming in and was, by all accounts, even better than Melvin Gordon. He's not a more athletic running back. Right? Melvin Gordon's a freak. I remember I was super excited because I was living in Kenosha when Melvin Gordon and um, uh, who's the Vikings corner? Trey Waynes, I think. Both of them went to the same school. Both of them were from Kenosha. So it was cool seeing those guys get drafted, both of them in the first round, but it just it didn't work out all that great. So he'll, he'll get some kind of a compensation, but I, I just think that these running backs are, I don't know. I mean, Le'Veon tried to pull it, and they're like, no, we're not paying you. I mean, <laughs> sorry. Ezekiel's trying it. I think Ezekiel gets paid just because as far as I can tell, I mean, he's got some off-field stuff, but Jerry Jones is just, well, whatever. I'm not going down who cares about other teams, but I'm just saying I, it just, it's too much. I mean, if he was a free agent on the waiver wire, would we pick him up? Yeah. Are we going to pay him? No. I don't I don't think the Packers want to pay him very much. He's only 26, so he's kind of at that, I can't even necessarily say prime. It's really his peak, which is to say starting now is the decline, or at least starting next year. 26 is sort of the peak for running backs, which is scary. I mean, at the time when you're looking for a contract is at the time when you're at your best, meaning it's all downhill from here. So everybody knows you're about to start going downhill, and you're sitting there with your hand out going, all right, let's get paid for the production I had when I was 24 and 25. And teams are looking at you going, no, man, by 30, you're out of the league. Why Why am I? No. But anyways, Justin in the Facebook group brought up the uh, the Aaron Rodgers uh, thing. The, the exact quote from this ESPN article from Aaron Rodgers was, um, schematically, there wasn't a lot shown. And he... The full sentence of this was uh, the offensive work wasn't of great value because, quote, schematically there wasn't a lot shown. I don't, and that's the thing. I, that's their interpretation of what he's saying. I, don't, I would like to know exactly what he said. In other words, did he just flat out say the reason we weren't any good is because the scheme or whatever? I, I don't know. That's what they're implying. But again, I didn't hear it. Either way, I think Sean Luke had the best takeaway of this in the comment section saying Rodgers likes the scheme so much he was upset when they can't play with it. And I, it's kind of true. His first temper tantrum throughout throughout this uh, preseason and, and, and training camp is essentially when um, Lafleur says we're going to dial back the, the scheme, and he comes out and he's like, well, that was terrible, and I don't like the Texans being here because we had to dial it back and, and not play with the fun stuff anymore. Sweet. Sounds like he's uh, pretty well bought in. But anyways, uh, i got to get going. The Packers do have the day off today. Tomorrow, we get to watch them on television. First preseason game. Um not for sure if Aaron Rodgers is going to play. The quote from LaFleur two days ago was, assuming we get in a good enough work from Aaron Rodgers, he won't be playing. Kind of open to interpretation what in the world that means, but um, I, I don't think he's going to be playing. I think Aaron Rodgers knows he's not going to be playing. Um, he kind of alluded to that and said that he'd like to play in weeks two and three. So don't expect him to be out there, which is, to elaborate even further, don't expect the Packers to win that game. And we can talk about it maybe a little more tomorrow, but I mean... Texans have been dominating the Packers for two straight days, and Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be playing. It's going to be Kaiser and Boyle and Wilkins. Yeah, no. Nah, I don't think so. But anyways, you folks enjoy your uh, Wednesday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.